Let's turn back to the portion of scripture from which we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> and as you are following through with the messages from the wilderness wanderings and then the different times in the New Testament where these events are spoken about, it's probably the major one that's brought from Old to New Testament with the things that are spoken about throughout the New Testament concerning that. And that as we've seen and read today, these things were written or were our examples to the intent we should not last after evil things. And uh, these things in verse 11 happen to them for examples and are written for our admonition. So it is for us, is it not? And so comparing the old with the new and the things they did right and the things they did wrong. We've looked at the <clears throat> carnal and spiritual Christian and that's in Corinthians 2, com comparing that to those in the wilderness. The labour to enter into rest from the book of Hebrews, we've looked at that about three weeks ago. Then generational stall, we've seen that. And last week we looked at Christ as the captain of our salvation and today privilege brings responsibility privilege brings responsibility Israel's exceedingly great privileges are seen right through the Bible and if you've got great privilege if you've been raised as it were as it is in a Christian home if you've come across the gospel of Christ in your life then you've got a responsibility and you've responded to it of course but even if you don't respond you still have a responsibility because the message has been given um, <clears throat> the nation of Israel exceedingly blessed let's go to the Old Testament and just see how blessed they were and it mentions this throughout the Old Testament the great privileges they had <clears throat> and the terrible apostasy they fell into but in chapter 7 of Deuteronomy and verse 6 just going through quickly some of these for thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people who are upon the face of the earth. That's a tall order, isn't it? You are chosen. Now, are we chosen? Yes, it says that. Are we a holy people? Uh, yes, we are. It says that in the New Testament. So we have responsibility too. So this is what I mean. The examples that are here follow through into the New Testament and to our lives. Chapter 7 of Deuteronomy, verse 7, the next verse. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, aren't you glad the Lord loved you? <laughs> and he set his love upon you, and you've one of his children these days in the church age. Praise the Lord for that. And the rest of verse 8. He would keep the oath which he has sworn unto your fathers. Hath the Lord brought you out with his mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he chose them. He loved them. He delivered them. In verse 9, he keeps them. And he does th these things for us. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God who keepeth covenant. And mercy with them who love him. What's the covenant he's made with us? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And uh, he's, you're not going to be taken out of his hand. You're in his hand. John chapter 10. He's made covenant with us. He made covenant with them. And he's going to keep those covenants. Because many of them haven't yet been fulfilled. Even through the, though they were disobedient. And so he keeps his commandments to a thousand generations. I started thinking about that, a thousand generations. If it's 20 years of a generation, how many years is that? <laughs> 20,000. How long has the world been round? About six. So it's, it's eternity, really. That's what he's speaking about. He's going to keep his covenant to all generations, no matter who's on earth. Now, I'm not saying that the world's going to go on for that much longer. God forbid. <laughs> I think we'll run out of resources by then, but the Lord knows. 
for a thousand generations. He keeps his covenant. Ah, we are blessed people, yes. He's going to keep it in, on into heaven. Deuteronomy 32 now, and just see some more of these privileges that they have and that we, as it were, enjoy too. 32 and verse 6, it reads there, Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father who hath brought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? He made them, he established them, he, he puts the church together today, he, puts us, he calls us and brings us together, and there's no mistake that you're here, and other people are there, and he brings people together. And uh, <clears throat> he's made us and established us, and physically he's done that as well. Uh, chapter two, 32, verse 8, it reads, When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam... He set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. <laughs> Things were made up in that day because of the children of Israel and the bounds of the habitation. So that's a good one for them over there for the peace things. They're trying to get together. What are the bounds? Uh, I think they would all erupt and say, no way will we give you that land <laughs> because they'd have to give Syria up. But after Syria, they'd have to give uh, um, <clears throat> Lebanon that have to go down into Egypt and say, that's ours. <laughs> and the bounds of the habitation have been set. God did that for them. Then when God makes a decision, it's going to be kept. <laughs> 32 verse 11, and, it's, and an eagle stirreth, or as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. What did God do for Israel? Did he do that? The privileges they had. He bore them on eagles' wings. Does that sound familiar? You've heard preachers preach that, <laughs> that we're born up on eagles' wings. Um, <clears throat> and verse 13 of that same chapter, he made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flint rock. And so there's something else that he did. He bore them and he allows them to ride high, as that verse said. But sadly, they disappointed him on multiple occasions. If you go from verse 15 of Deuteronomy 32, Jishran waxed fat and kicked. And art waxed fat, thou art grown thick. Thick. You know, we say someone's thick. I don't know that you say that, but <laughs> they're just not there. They're not just, um, <clears throat> and they'd grown that way toward God. They'd kicked, they'd grown thick, they had covered with fatness. Then he forsook God who made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. And this is what they did. Even though all the privileges they had, this is what they did. And they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations, provoked him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to, to new gods who came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of a rock who begot thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God who formed thee. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. The world has forgotten God. The world is dethroning God. The world is putting God off. Then it happens and starts within the church, does it not? The New Testament refers to the bountiful blessings that we have. Acts 7.53 reads, Who hath received the law... Oh, sorry, this is speaking of Israel still. Who hath received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. What advantage then in Romans 3 verses 1 and 2 hath the Jew... Much every way, chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. Any wonder that they've been punished as they have in 586 when the Babylonians come down and took the Judah captive. They have not owned the land and outrightly owned it where they could just govern themselves except just recently. But they had great advantage every way, it says, chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. Chiefly because they received the word. <laughs> That's a blessing. No other nation can say that. Now you show me from the Bible where there was a person that's not a Jew who wrote the Bible. 
Anyone? As I was mentioned just recently, Dr. Luke, some say, but others say, no, he was a Jew. And they've got reasons to show and prove that. I've got a little booklet on it, actually. They have, the, uh, they have that privilege. And do they know it? <laughs> some of them do. Over there in Israel, 20% of the Orthodox. Look at us. And I remember being in a supermarket over there. And this young lass, she would have been in her early 20s. We asked a question about something because we didn't... Un the packages are all... We go by colour often when you buy things because it's just in that packet all the time. And you ask for something because... And she was so rude because <laughs> we were Gentiles, see. <laughs> and she was Jewish. And they know it. They know that they've had this privilege. They know they're blessed of God. But what have they done with it? In Acts 13, verse 18, it says, And about the time of 40 years, suffered he their manners. Suffered he their... I like that. Suffered he their manners. You know when your children disobey and you suffer their bad manners. <laughs> and that's what he suffered. He put up with their bad manners. Now, he doesn't just keep on putting up with it. He straightens it out. <laughs> and God has done that to the Jewish nation. He's sorting them out. Their manners. What sort of manners did these people have? Now, all this is written for our example. Let's not do what they did. <laughs> they were proud. They were disobedient. They were wanton. They were unthankful. They were whinging and whining and grizzling. They were arrogant. Let's say they are and were this way. <laughs> they're willful. They're covetous. They're stubborn. They're idolatrous. They're lustful. They're unregenerate. And all the other things you can think of that are negative, they were that. And then you have to ask yourself the question, am I like that? Do I, as God looks at me, am I like that? Have I got these attitudes? You see, often we don't and can't examine ourselves like we ought to. But we need to take a look in the mirror of God's word, as it says in James, and see, am I like that? Am I provoking the Lord? Am I walking away from the Lord? All the blessings and privileges he's given me. He, God, put up with their manners, their attitude, their ingratitude. Huh. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. We read there, Who are Israelites? Paul's talking to them. To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God, the, the tabernacle and all the services there, and the promises whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came through them, who was over all, God blessed forever. <laughs> These are the privileges they had, and this is talking about it in the New Testament. And Paul, of course, is speaking from heart experience that he was this way too. He was this way. In Psalm 147, 19 and 20, it reads there, He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes unto his and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation as, as for his judgments. They, the nations, have not known them. And then praise ye the Lord that we have known them. Yeah, there's a lot of people in this world. You could say at least 95% of the population of this world don't know what you know about the Bible. Does that bring responsibility? Absolutely. You've got the privilege. We've got the privilege. Let's not waste the privilege that God has. Let's live up to what God expects of those who are his own, who know about these things. In chapter 4 of the book of Deuteronomy and verse 5, we read this. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me. This is Moses speaking, that ye should do so in the land to which you go to possess. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, who shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. 
the last verse in the book, well, the last verse we read, verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 10, it talked about wise people, didn't it? Wise men will listen to this. Here, the Lord's saying the same thing to Israel. Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. They have received the message. That's what the unsaved, the Gentiles, will say about them. This is a wise nation. They, I remember they did once. Can you remember the occasion where a leader from another nation came? <laughs> With Solomon. Yep. And she said, a half has not been told. <laughs> remember that? The half has not been told of what the wisdom and the, the order and the way things run here. <laughs> and, the, and the servants and everyone's happy here. <laughs> That's what... She said as she looked at the Queen of Sheba, as she looked at Solomon at his invitation to come and have a look. I didn't think it was any. I didn't even dream about this. Folks, you know what? The unsaved should be looking at the church and saying that about us. These are a wise people, but instead they're challenging the church. They're putting down the things we believe in and they're passing legislation to put us in jail if we say it. Talk about them. That's what's happening, isn't it? How sad. And that is because we have done what Israel have done, not necessarily us, but church, you know, in general, have done what they did, apostatized. We've watered down the truth. We don't speak the truth in love to unsaved people. Now, that's the introduction. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And I pray that what we look at in 1 Corinthians 10 would challenge our hearts and that we wouldn't do what they did. And we'd walk in your way. Lord, may you be exalted. May we worship you. May we fall before you and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, bless the preaching and teaching of your word for those that are here present, for those that are listening in. May the word be a blessing to all of us. And may we do what James said, not go our way and forget what manner of men we were, but remember and do the things we hear. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, back into the first Corinthians, as I asked you to turn to a little bit before, and we read there in chapter 10, the advantages enjoyed by Israel in the first four verses. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. They were a protected people, were they not? They were all under the cloud, not under the weather, but under the cloud that God it, it depicted God's presence there. <clears throat> and you can read about that in Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 to 22. We are Christian, as Christians are under his protection. Now, in the adult class this morning, we learnt about the apostles and the, the, the 12 of them. And, and at the end of that, Troy said there was so many of them that were martyred. How many? Eleven, good. <laughs> you, we're listening. Eleven of those were martyred. Only John, they tried to, but he didn't die. And so <clears throat> you say, protection? <laughs> of course, eternal protection. We are secure. And you ought to be able to go to the Bible and say, in this chapter, in this verse, there is where it tells me that I am protected of the Lord. You got a, you got a passage in mind of eternal security? Anyone got one? Romans 8. Romans 8. Yep. The last third of that chapter is all about that. What shall separate us from the love of God? What's the one in the Gospels? We are protected as they were protected. They're under the cloud, under the protection of God. In, and you'd need it out there in the desert. The shade by day and fire by night. But <clears throat> Well, uh, John's Gospel chapter. We, he is the... He is the Shepherd and we are the sheep, that passage that talks about that, can you remember it? <laughs> Who will take us out of his hand? John chapter 10. We are protected by the Lord. The Shekinah glory was there present and uh, they could see that by night, the fire burning. You know, in a desert, what happens at night? It's hot in the day, cold, freezing cold. And the fire by night, complete protection. I believe the cloud was there too because that kept the warmth, the warmth in. God 
guided them through the desert. First Kings 8, 10 to 12, it reads, And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand and minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. The glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. His very presence was known there. And we know that we have the presence of God. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We're in his hands. And <clears throat> let's praise the Lord that we are. In Exodus chapter 40, 33, Moses read up the tabernacle and finished the work. And a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter because of the cloud and of God's glory. So that was a pretty thick cloud. God's presence. We come so flippantly sometime before the Lord, but they did not. They, when they came to the mount, you know, they're going to speak to God and then, and then they said, no, no, Moses, you do it. And they backed off when the God's presence come down on the Mount Sinai and it altogether shook, it says, as Moses was up there and uh, received those commandments. The presence of the Lord is among us. Exodus 19, right from verse 18 and following. That's where the Mount is altogether in a smoke because the Lord descended upon it. He protects us. He protected them. He protects us. The advantage, a great advantage they enjoyed. Another advantage in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and the last part of verse 1, and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. <clears throat> they were planted, as it reads. <laughs> they were positioned. They they came through, and baptism is an identification, is it not, today, with the Lord as we identify with him. They passed through the sea. <clears throat> they were all baptized in this. They all went through. <laughs> they had to, to get away from the Egyptians. And then in the Jordan again. First uh, <clears throat> Corinthians twelve thirteen reads, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. And so if you're a Christian, you've been baptized whether you know it or not. When you believe, I don't know that anyone, unless they've been in church for years, would know what happens the moment they believe and repent of their sins. <laughs> but... Afterward, you'd learn, learn about these things, that we were baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ as they were, as a nation, baptized as they went through the sea. They, they probably didn't think about it either. This is just a miracle happening. But they were being planted, as it were, in God's and among God's people, just as we are. <laughs> as we are spiritually baptized, and then as we identify with him in physical baptism, planted together in the local fellowship of believers. Uh, so occurring at spirit baptism and ver verse 1 following in Romans 6, 1 and following, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? We've been identified with Christ. We've been planted together with him and with each other. No, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? Know ye not that as many as of us, <clears throat> excuse me, as were baptized into Jesus, Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, <clears throat> that as Christ was, I'll have one of these, was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection they were planted positioned and possessed of the lord just as we are today advantages <laughs> protected planted positioned possessed and provisioned there in first corinthians 10 
And in verse 3, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. And they drank of the spiritual, that spiritual rock that followed them, that rock was Christ. They were provisioned with food, the manna, and the drink from the rock. Does it say in the New Testament that we are? Yep. What did the Lord Jesus say to the Samaritan woman? <laughs> you know, I've got water that if you drink of, you'll never thirst again. And so the Lord Jesus is our water of life. In John chapter 6, verse 31, 35, really right through that chapter, as he speaks about himself being the water and the bread, then eat my flesh and drink my blood. And many were very offended at him and walk with him no more, it says at the end of that. But God is our provider, is he not? Who brought the sun up this morning? <laughs> Who holds the atoms together? God he spoke and it was and it became what it is and uh, if you did chemistry and physics at school you know that these things we count them as solid because if they hit us they hurt or whatever and we can't see through them but they're not <laughs> they're all moving the atoms and electrons and the protons and neutrons the nucleus all those things and steel you get thicker heavier tighter they are the heavier it is and you get gold and lead and those things that are, are closer bound but who holds all these things together the lord one day you'll speak them out of existence that's up to him but he provisions us with all the blessings of life and the blessings of himself to us for eternal life as he provisioned them in the old testament and in verse four the last part of verse four for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was, was Christ. His promised presence is seen, and that rock was Christ. He was with them. He was with them. And First John, First John chapter 5, we read in verse 10, And following, he that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and this life is in his son. If we're in Christ, we have him. He is present with us through the spirit. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath the son of God hath not life. His promised presence is with us. Verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. It's so important, isn't it, to believe on the name of the Son of God. And that rock is Christ, the one we believe in, the one who abides with us, who is always with us. Remember this, the poem Footprints? That poem should have brought it, Footprints, and and the individual was complaining about, you know, here's our, here's our tracks on the sand of the sea and see there's two of us walking and then all of a sudden there's only one and you left me on my own. <laughs> you left me. You deserted me. No, the Lord said what? <laughs> I carried you at that time. That was my footprints, not yours. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> we had the actual man preach here <laughs> that wrote that, that, uh, that pr those promises, that footprints. Promised presence. Well, let's then see all these privileges they had. What did they do with them? Verse 5. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. The apostasy committed by Israel, the departure, going away from what God had blessed them with and what he had taught them. And it didn't take them but long, as we talked about in the first generation stall and the second, third. It was about the fourth generation there, those that knew Joshua and outlived Joshua, and then they apostatized. They invoked God's indignation when they did this. God was not well pleased. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Can you say this morning as you come before the Lord, He is pleased with me. He is pleased that I have 
God in my devotions every day this week. He is pleased that I have prayed to him every day this week and probably many times a day. You know, just asking a question, because I'm human too. <laughs> we get busy in our life and we, wa we walk in our own strength and God is not pleased. They're saying this about them here. And that's the start of where we go off and go astray. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Do you want to be overthrown in the, in the walk of life? Of course we don't want to be overthrown. But we will be if we are not walking as we ought to walk with the Lord. And all sorts of troubles will come. And they were overthrown. And we know how many. It gives the number. 600,000 men and the women and the, that uh, were involved there. We've talked about that. They didn't only invoke God's indignation upon them. You say, well, God loves me. He, he will let me, as his child, do anything. No, he will not. Because you're his child, there's certain stipulations you have as his child to represent him to live like a child of God. Uh, <clears throat> they illuminate the pathway of the just in verse 6 and the first half of that. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not. So they illuminate our pathway, don't do what they did. <laughs> because trouble comes. Don't get drawn away in the lust of the flesh and follow it, as it says in the book of James, chapter 1. James 1 and verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man, but every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And so let's learn from that and let's learn from the New Testament not to go that way. Let's be illuminated by their pathway which was down the wrong path. And let's walk on the right, the straight and narrow pathway. They were guilty of infatuation with the world, as it says in verse 6, to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And, and, and folks, as Christians, we should be able to go to the Bible and, and say, there's the verse. There it is. It tells me not to do this. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life. I've got it around backwards. <laughs> How does it start? It starts with the eyes, does it? The lust of the eyes, the pride of life. I've still not got it. <laughs> it's, no, it's, in, it's in John. It's in First John chapter 1, 2 and verse 15. Love not the world, neither things that in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the flesh, in the world, the lust of the flesh, that's where we start, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Don't be infatuated. Hey, if ever there was a generation that could be infatuated with the things of this world, you know... If you're a lady, go to uh, Spotlight. Um, what's the other places? Sewing machines. I, I don't know. I don't go there. <laughs> Those sort of places and all the things. Wow, look at this new thing. Look at this new material. Look at this new pattern. For men, you go to Bunnings, of course. <laughs> or go to All Tools and say, wow, look at this. Look at that. Oh, I know what that does. <laughs> Sometimes we get infatuated. You know, I've got, I had a grandpa, a, yeah, grandpa, we all had grandpas, we had a grandpa, and down at Selby, up from Belgrave, where the Papa Billy goes up to Emerald, there's a little Selby, is it, town, and uh, there's two houses there that he and his brother built, no power tools, nothing like that, only hand saws, and probably hard tape measures, Not no, none of the curly ones <laughs> that roll up, and they took two weeks to build a house. And still standing. They're both still standing. I watch every day. I go home on the bus. There's, this, there's, there's Grandpa's house <laughs> that he built. But we get infatuated with the little trinkets of this world. You know, our cars and all the... A modern car. You get in there and you say, oh, what do I do with all these buttons? Uh, what is this computer telling me? What is she saying? Why is she saying, obey all the road rules? <laughs> Oh, I'm speeding, am I? <laughs> That's what they... You know, these things are all automatic now. And, you, and, and you're going down the road and it, 
you go over the white line and the steering wheel gets pulled out of your hand and it pulls back, gets you online. I thought, wow, you know, trinklets. I think I'd like the Tirana. <laughs> I'm in control, not that computer. <laughs> but we can get infatuated with things, can't we? And, and what, America, China and who else was sending something up to Mars? And the rover landed. And the picture is, and they had cameras on the parachute and they had cameras on the, on the unit landing on the rover. They had three sets of cameras going and they took pictures of the dust blowing and, and the mountain and the crater. And uh, I've been reading about it because I'm interested to see and um, looking for life on Mars, eh? <laughs> Just read your Bible and save trillions of dollars. <laughs> life is here. This is where God created it. On earth, we can be infatuated. and It truly is amazing what they can do because the signal to tell it what to do was so many hours before that when they put it in here to get it to there and they have to plan it all ahead and they didn't know. They were all sitting there. Has it landed? Has it landed? Because they're, they're minutes behind waiting for the message to come back and the film to come back and, yeah, it landed. <laughs> and now the rover's going to go for a drive. Uh, well, uh, taking pictures and... 360-degree pictures and how they take that. They, they do many pictures in circles and they slowly in, and they have one big picture formed by all these multiple pictures of a 360 camera sticking up on a, on a mast off this thing. You say, wow. <laughs> hey, our first trip to heaven, when the Lord calls us home, <laughs> we will be able to say, wow, <laughs> really Wow. <laughs> This is unbelievable. What we don't know now, but we will know then, and that what we'll learn about the Lord. Uh, I'm getting off track. <laughs> but it's encouraging to think about this. <clears throat> they were guilty of being infatuated with the world. Don't be infatuated with that. Be infatuated and concentrate. set your affections on things above, with the things of eternity, not on things of the world. Um, the privileges that bring responsibility. They were guilty of idolatry. Verse 7. They neither, and this is where it says, notice verse 7, 8, 9, and 10. How do they all start? What's the word? Neither, neither, neither. These are the privileges they had. This is what they didn't do. They were apostatized. So don't do what they did. Neither be ye idolatrous. And when did that happen? Well, when they made the golden calf. They're in in the Old Testament and engaged in pagan revelry and wickedness at, at that time. They were guilty of idolatry. And if we worship and put other things before God, we're guilty of idolatry. They were guilty of immorality. Verse 8, Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand people. Does it warn us as Christians? Spiritual um, immorality, physical immorality, yes, it warns us. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 1 to 10, spoke about that openly to these Corinthians and said, you've got to deal with this problem. And they did deal with it. They dealt with it so severely, the fella that was guilty was uh, totally ostracized. But they... Then he wrote Second Corinthians for the purpose of saying, bring him back in. He's repented. He's repented. He's got right. And so bring him back in. And the, here these people had committed this immorality. Verse 8. Fornication, as it says. And fell 23,000 in one day. They committed spiritual whoredom. Numbers 25, 1 to 11 speak of that. They were guilty of impunity. <clears throat> In verse 9, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted him and were destroyed by the serpents. How do you, how do you tempt Christ? You think of that. <laughs> by doing things that you know you shouldn't do, they knew they shouldn't have done, and he is tempted to bring judgment, but for his grace and mercy, we'd all be consumed. 
because of our wickedness and even things we don't know we're doing wrong. Sins of ignorance, we would have been destroyed. And so we act often with impunity. And as spoken about in all these references, it will be wonderful to look up but no time to do. Numbers 21, 6 to 9, and, and back in verse 5. They spoke against God and Moses. Like Christians today, take advantage of the grace of God and say, I have liberty in Christ to do what I want. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> no, I can't tell you what to do, but the Bible certainly can tell you what to do. The Lord can tell you what to do. And don't act with impunity. Don't act with like, I'm, I'm a free man, so therefore I can do what I want. <clears throat> and the believer who acts this way will be bitten as the Lord sent serpents among them, be bitten by the serpent. Because the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, I've got liberty to do it. I'll just go and do it. <laughs> yeah, and the devil's waiting for you to put your foot in that trap. And he gets you as a roaring lion and wants to devour you and wreck your life and wreck your testimony if you act against the grace of God that saved you. They were guilty of ingratitude. Verse 10, we're moving too quickly, but for me. <laughs> but you just get the big picture here. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed by the destroyer. They were guilty of ingratitude. They were murmuring, complaining. We've looked at that. They griped, grumbled, and grizzled, we said. And God sent the angel of death among them to consume them on the outside, in the outside of the camp. And Moses and Aaron had to bring offering and stay the plague that began. And so they were guilty of ingratitude, impunity, immorality, idolatry that we've looked at. And they were infatuated with the things of this life and not of the Lord. The accountability requested of Christians today. Verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 10. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. And that's true of this generation as never before. The ends of the world are come. <laughs> Unsay people say, Armageddon is you know, what do they have that clock? The doomsday clock, isn't it? I don't know what, where the hour, minute, minute hand is, but it's very close to midnight. They are saying it when <laughs> Christians wake up. The ends of the world are come, and this is what Paul said back then. And that the dispensation of the grace of God and the church was beginning. And he said, these things are for our admonition. Are we going to learn from them? Neither, 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 neither. Go back through them. Get your own study from them. And own instruction from the Lord by the Spirit from these truths. Don't do what they did. Look what happened to them. Look what happened to them. Learn from this. We have greater and more wonderful privileges than they because we've got them for an example we've got the new testament we've got the presence of the holy spirit we've got fellow believers that can help and encourage us and the lord said this in luke chapter 12 verse 47 and that servant who knew his lord's will and prepared not himself neither did according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes but he that, that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. What is the topic here? Privileges bring responsibility. And this is exactly what the Lord's saying in these verses. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much be required. And to, who, and to whom men have committed much, of him they will seek or ask the more. had a chap come to church here once. I can't remember his name and I couldn't remember him if I met him again. But he came back twice. And he's talking about getting married again. I said, no, not on. So it's no one you know, no one we know. And I told him, that, and he said, well, you've got people in the church that are married again. I said, yes, we have. They did it in ignorance. 
you're choosing to do it against. He said, well, don't talk to me anymore. Don't tell me anymore. I'm going to go off and do it. <laughs> That's what his approach was. I'll remain ignorant, and therefore I won't be guilty. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Can't get away with it like that. <laughs> they that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Folks, there's judgment day coming. And those people who have great privilege, the Western world, who have heard the gospel over and over again. I mean, even in our country now, there's tele, tele evangelist or tele lies or whatever they are. But there, there is the gospel being given, though we might not agree with where they're coming from. It is being said. This is going out. Other churches everywhere, the message is going out. And there's a great responsibility. America is almost imploding, isn't it? Have they had blessings? Look at the read. Most of the readings, the books, and things, the commentaries have come from there in England. They've had great blessings, but God says, "What have you got? What are you doing with these privileges you've had?" There's much going to be expected of Christians in good Bible-preaching churches that have gone off because they knew better. Have you ever said that to your children? You knew better. You, <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. Yep. God says that to his children. You know better. You've got great privilege. But that brings great responsibility. If we apostatize, we will receive the greater judgment. And is apostasy happening? That is a departure from the truth, yes. It said it would and it is happening in Second Timothy 3. Know this also, that in the last days perilous times will come. And he goes down through the list. And then in verse 8 in the last part, So do those also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate. The same word, reprobate, concerning the faith. They've erred. And there in chapter 4 of Second Timothy, verse 3 and 4, For the time will come when they not, will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall have heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables people who are in pulpits today who have access to the word of God and a teaching of it and teach error will be in a worse predicament that those have lived totally ungodly lives in all sorts of wickedness and sin and they stand before the judge they will be judged greater. Let's not sin with impunity. Let's not sin through ingratitude and immorality and all these things. The world is inviting us to do that. But God is saying, no, don't do that. Stick to the word of God. One last reference found in Hebrews 10 and 26. If we sin willfully... After we have received the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice for sin. If we know and we go away and apostatize and rep become reprobates, there's nothing that can cover that sin. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Learn from Israel. Look what's happened to them. Look at the horrors the Jews have been through for 2,000 years. Really, for 2,556 years from the deportation to Babylon. The horrors. And as you read them, your, your heart grieves for them, but you know that God has allowed these things to come. Terrible, terrible things. Terrible atrocities from committed by humans on another human, a, a Gentile toward a Jew. And how these atrocities have been committed. And folks, it's not finished yet. Because the Bible says it's going to be some two-thirds of them are going to die. Yet to, to be fulfilled. We will pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And pray for the peace of the hearts of the people of Israel. That they would turn. And don't be arrogant and ignorant in their apostasy as, as they are now. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Well, what do you expect? Well, of sore punishment, 
Suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God. The Western world fits right into that. Young people raised in Christian families who have trodden on the truth of the word of God will have terrible judgment coming. Worse, I say worse, than an unsaved person that never heard the truth. Judgment's going to fall. And it counted the blood of the covenant with which he was sanctified an unholy thing and had done despite to the spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit, come talking to them and convicting and convincing them of the word. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. You've got a privilege. Live to the responsibility. You know the word of God. And as Jesus said, it would be better that they had never heard than to hear and say no to the Spirit. God will say, you knew better. And look what you did with your life. As Christians, we have a responsibility. If you know to do good and do it not, to you it is sin. To me, it is sin. Let's do what's right. Let's do what's pleasing to God. Let's not walk away from his truths. Let's learn from the examples of these people. Heavenly Father, we have a strong warning today to all of us who are present who can understand and comprehend and hear the word, who have many times heard the word, who have in times past been convicted by the word. I pray that we wouldn't walk away from those times and saying and forget what manner of men we were and, and just say, I can do what I want. We cannot. We are not our own. We're brought with a price. The Jews were brought, had wonderful privileges, but walked away from it. And we see the consequences. Lord, let us be faithful until you come, until you take us to be at home with you. And you will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Your word tells us that'll happen and it will happen. Bless us as we part and walk the narrow way in Jesus' name. Amen.